Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. My friend Michael Toby is standing by. Before we talk to Michael, let's have a few seconds, listen to a few seconds to this. It's people, it's their dreams, it's your dream. And that's why I'm standing here today, again, to announce my candidacy for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Peter McKay yesterday making it official that he's running for the leadership of the Conservative Party. And of course, would then, if he be, if he's successful, and Aaron O'Toole is expected to um, announce tomorrow, uh, I think it's Aaron O'Toole, is going to announce tomorrow, then uh, one of them, if they're successful, um, the Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, Michael Toby, former Stephen Harper speechwriter, Troy Media columnist, joins us on the program today. Michael, uh, there's something that we want to talk about, you and I, uh, about a column you wrote this week. But before we do that, sure. your perspective on uh, on Peter McKay, on the leadership chase for the Conservative Party of Canada, given all the developments over the last seven days. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I mean, obviously now Peter McKay is the established frontrunner. There's no question of that. He still has a long history and things to deal with, with both grassroots members and the senior leadership, based on the fact that he was the last federal PC leader. He's a red Tory politically, which means he's a left-leaning conservative. He's taken positions that, yes, I, I think that certainly some blue Tories would be comfortable with, his opposition to the gun registry, freedom of religion, etc., but he has a long history in politics, and uh, it's not easy to necessarily walk away with that. And as a modern C, small C conservative thinker, which I am, I'm sure you are and others are, um, we recognize that obviously Peter McKay can do the leadership possession and have that role, but the question is whether we want him or not. But as of right now, he's moving well ahead, Roy. He's got lots of major endorsements, and not just from Red Tories, from others. And the party is sort of beginning to <clears throat> coalesce around him to the point where some people are, are beginning to wonder that even though it will be competitive, because there will be people like Aaron, Aaron O'Toole and others running, who's currently a federal Tory MP, they're worrying that it may become a near coronation. And something I'm going to be probably writing about next week. The last time we dealt with that in the conservative movement was one Kim Campbell, and that was probably not the oh, best memories. scenario we ever went through. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, boy, did you ever tweak some memories when you said Kim Campbell? Who 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 was alive on on a certain autumn evening? I think it was autumn, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Will ever forget that a majority government was reduced to a to a caucus that could have met in the front seat of a Volkswagen Bug. Yep. Jean Charest and Elsie Wayne. Huh. 157 to two seats. That's what they went down to. That is scary stuff. Yeah. So the last time there was a, a coronation, you're right, because Brian Mulroney favored Kim Campbell, and mm -hmm. and she became the leader. Now, uh, David Aiken was on the program with us yesterday, um, uh, Michael, the chief political correspondent for Global News, and David yep. pointed out 
that there are a lot of people in this country who think there might be some uh, some lingering hostility between Peter McKay and Stephen Harper. And, and David said that anything but that, they're quite close. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, there isn't this wild hostility that people think of. But unfortunately, this is what happens a lot, Roy. A lot of people on the on the outside the perimeter, so to speak, they imagine these things happening. No, it's quite the opposite. Remember, it was Stephen Harper and Peter McKay who basically united the Conservative Party and then the Canadian Alliance in December 2003 to form the Conservative Party of Canada today. And sure, it is true that Mr. Harper and Mr. McKay don't see eye to eye on some issues, but uh, Peter McKay served ably as a minister in several senior roles for Stephen Harper and his cabinet. They do get along. They do see eye to eye on the fact that they want to see small C conservative values promoted in this country, albeit in different ways. And no, look, Stephen Harper, believe it or not, even though obviously he's very ideological in the way he thinks and very intelligent and, and, and at times very calculating too, of which there's nothing wrong. I mean, a good political leader should be that way, quite frankly. He also realizes that he needed to align with people who were somewhat different from him because that's the only way to build political bridges. In effect, as well, Peter McKay has done the same thing as a mostly a red Tory, very similar to his late father, who was a cabinet minister for Brian Mulroney. He's also aligned himself with blue Tories who don't necessarily think his way because he realizes that building political bridges rather than destroying them is the right way to become a strong leader and the best way and the best route to become prime minister. So, no, I'm not surprised that they get together but I can break any sort of a mythology or nonsense related to that. They do get along. So stepping away from uh, the political world, I, uh, I read your column this past week, and uh, it struck a nerve because uh, the, the, the title of it, the headline is Rest in Peace, Sloan Ranger. Yep. Go ahead, Mike. Sure. Well, look, you know, and we've talked about this. The irony is, and... As long as you've been around the game and as long as I've been around the game, the reason that we first met and then I first started appearing in the show was ironically because of Mike Sloan. We had never really met one another. And that was always to me kind of a, a fascinating thing that we'll always have in common. And Mike Sloan is people know and I you know, you interviewed him, you've spoken about spoken about him and I'm sure more people now than ever know who he is. Mike Sloan was not a public figure, he didn't have a public profile. He was not a big name in this game. And basically his medium was, was social media and Twitter, where for a long period of time he was very active, throwing out tweets, apparently having a lot of disagreements and arguments with people, although I never personally experienced it or saw it. I know it happened. But when he, re when he got about a year ago a cancer diagnosis, and a really bad one where he was in a stage four cancer of uh, anaplastic uh, thyroid, which is very deadly and has basically a, a sentence of about four to six months of life left, he decided to turn everything around and he became, as I called it, sort of a, a, Twitter's, you know, a, a Twitter muse or a so social media soothsayer, so to speak. They're nonsensical terms, but what I mean by that was he decided to change his life around and change his attitude around and started to look at the positive things, the good in people. Uh, he started to promote ideas that were beneficial, such as giving money to charities that he believed in. He was able to raise a lot of money for various things, including for uh, young children as well. 
he actually started to promote causes and ideas that he believed in. And I think what really happened, or what evolved, Roy, was that the personality of Mike Sloan, which, if you read anything, including uh, former London Free Press reporter Chip Martin's 2017 profile, he had a very, very difficult life from poverty, um, sexual abuse. He he was unable to work for a living. Incredible stuff that would give anybody a, a terrible disposition in life. And we discovered that Mike Sloan was actually a very wonderful person overall, had a great sense of humor, an ability to get along with people, and a real belief that there was good or common good or humanity in all facets of life. And that's what he promoted on social media as well to his dying day, where he ensured that he was going to spend his last year of life or so doing things for the good of humanity, for the good of himself, for the good of society, and I think we, we really just saw a really incredible, wonderful person, very warm, very well-spoken. And it's interesting, he actually apparently studied journalism for a couple of years before he, you know, all the problems and issues he had stopped him from finishing. But you could always see in his tweets, they were very well-crafted and well-thought out. And I, as a professional writer, really appreciated it because, well, you certainly see it at times on social media, but not always. And certainly not with people who are outside certain circles or certain perimeters. You know, he was just an intensely interesting person, cared a lot about people, and I think it's kind of poignant, and maybe you've talked about this, that one of his last messages was to his beloved feline companion, Chubb, the cat who had been with him for many, many years, his constant friend, his constant ally. His last words, and apparently before he, he passed away, uh, was something to the effect of, I'm not sitting in front of it, please tell Chubb that I love him. Yeah. This is what really meant to him. You yeah. know, in the end, he was always worried about his cat, even though he had set up a nice relationship with a neighbor who lived next door to him. So he knew right. that his cat would obviously go on and enjoy life and be happy and live with someone that he trusted. That was how thoughtful he was in the end. You know, he had his friends, he had his family, which he was estranged from, but he had an incredible family amongst social media yes, profile he did. users. Yes, he did. And upon his death, they actually kept asking what would happen to Chubb as well. Chubb became also a part of their lives mm-hmm. as Mike Sloan actually became a part of our lives. Mike uh, London Can at Mike London Can, and I have to say this. It was a it was a privilege to get to know Mike. He was a guest on this program, and we would uh, exchange direct messages on Twitter. And ten days before he died, he sent me a "Hi, how are you? How are you doing?" Uh, tweet, and I wrote back, "Hey, Mike, sorry, I've been following your tweet. Sorry, you haven't heard from me for a few days." And he wrote back very graciously, very generously, and then he wrote, uh, "Doctors didn't think I'd I'd make it uh, during the week, um, but but I did. I rallied, and I'll be listening tomorrow." So yeah. he was the, there was always thousands of people followed him through the last year of his life and an increasing number and we all learned something we all learned grace we all learned courage and we yep. all learned to love Mike Michael thank you so much for the time today thanks for everything you do My pleasure all the best my friend all the best Michael Toby and uh, he's a choice syndicate columnist and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. 
Have a great weekend.